Welcome to the Boost Health Podcast, where we are searching for wellness balance. Your host is Paul Sandberg, a certified strength and conditioning specialist with nearly 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry and degrees in human biology and business. At Boost Health, our passion is to learn and share new wellness tactics and help individuals create their own personal health strategy. Join us on this journey of being open-minded and trying new things. You can learn more at MyBoostHealth.com. Welcome to the show. Find your balance. 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 Find your balance. That is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 50 of the Boost Health Podcast. Today's show features a special focus on prolonged fasting with yours truly. I'll speak about the difference between intermittent fasting and a prolonged fast, the wonderful world of autophagy, a sample schedule of a 24-hour fast day, what to eat before and after the fast, what to expect, if coffee is allowed, why humans are made for this, how to succeed in your first try, and much more. A couple quick announcements, and we'll jump right into the show. Facebook group. Join us on the Boost Health Facebook group. I created this as a separate place to share wellness tactics, inspire each other, try new things, and have some fun. It's a nice community of folks, and right now we're talking about fasting, since that's what we're talking about on the show this week. So to join, click on the link uh, for the Facebook group at the bottom of the homepage of myboosthealth.com. And if you're watching this, you already know about Boost Health TV, but if you're just listening, we do have all the podcasts available on Boost Health TV um, YouTube channel now, so you can check them out there. Um, I've also created some really cool workout videos, including one that requires no equipment that you can do anywhere uh, that takes less than 30 minutes. I'll link to the channel in the show notes so you can check it out. And newsletter, if you haven't already signed up for the weekly Boost newsletter, you can do so very simply by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now here is episode number 50 of the Boost Health podcast. 24-hour fast, 13 tips, benefits, and expectations. All right, quick disclaimer, fasting is not appropriate for everyone. Please check with your doctor before beginning any fasting program. Over the last few years, I kept hearing about the benefits of intermittent fasting, like reduction in body fat, better insulin resistance, reduced inflammation, etc. Since I'd already been doing overnight intermittent fasting of 12 to 14 hours every single night for the last few years, I felt like I already had ticked that box. But then I started hearing that the real exciting benefits of fasting kick in at around the 24-hour mark. Fasting isn't anything new, of course. Yes, it's a bit trendy right now with all the health benefits coming out in research, but it has been used for centuries. In fact, Hippocrates, widely regarded as the father of medicine, is one of the first physicians to be documented as a supporter of fasting, as he felt it helped the body heal itself. This was over 2,000 years ago. Just Google fasting and you'll be bombarded with articles and websites on intermittent fasting and weight loss. There is seemingly not as much love for the prolonged fasting of 24 hours or more. 
Maybe because a 24-hour fast sounds difficult. I know it did for me. It took me years of hearing the benefits before I summoned the energy to give it a try. Also, I've noted that there is a funny thing with fasting terminology. Some say a 24 to 48 hour fast is prolonged or long-term. And others say this is a short fast or even intermittent. It seems that most of the research journals describe prolonged fasting as 24 hours or more. And as such, that's the definition that I will use. So 24 hours or more, that's prolonged. And my focus with prolonged fasting is not really weight loss or six pack abs. It's really about longevity and you'll hear why in the show. So here are the tips, benefits, and what to expect for your first 24 hour fast. Number one, it is all about the autophagy. The most exciting thing to me is the process of cell turnover called autophagy. This is basically like spring cleaning for your cells, where your body gets rid of dysfunctional cells like cancer cells and creates new ones. With a history of cancer in my family, this got me really fired up to give it a try. I recently heard Dr. Stephen Cabral call prolonged fasting, again, which is fasting of 24 hours or more, the fountain of youth. He uses it in his practice as a tool to help patients heal themselves from the inside. A 2010 study in autophagy showed a large amount of autophagy in fasting mice, especially between 24 and 48 hours of fasting. A 2018 article on the MIT website showed that stem cells and intestines can double in regeneration with 24 hours of fasting in a study on mice. As we get older, our bodies lose the natural ability to do this autophagy. Um, and so this can actually lead to an increased risk of cancer and Alzheimer's. So basically, we need to give our bodies an occasional dedicated rest from eating so it has the time to get rid of this cellular trash. Number two, build up with intermittent fasting first. If the prospect of not eating for an entire day sounds scary to you at first, it was for me, then you can slowly work your way up to 24 hours with intermittent fasting. There are various types of intermittent fasting, but my favorite is the basic 12 to 16 hour overnight fast. Basically, it's as simple as waiting at least 12 hours from your last meal from the previous evening until the first meal of the day the following morning. For example, if you ate dinner at 7 p.m., then you'd wait until 7 a.m. the next day to eat. Then you can slowly build up to 13 hours, 14 hours, and so on until you feel confident in going for the full 24. I actually did my intermittent fasting every day for several years before I finally decided to take the plunge in the 24-hour fast a few months ago. The evidence of autophagy removing cancer cells was just too exciting for me to ignore, and I finally decided to give it a try over the holidays in 2018. I loved it so much that I started doing the 24-hour fast weekly from Sunday dinner to Monday dinner. Building up slow may not be necessary for everyone, though. In fact, I had a few of my clients try the 24-hour fast for the first time since I've been raving about it lately, uh, and they just jumped straight into the 24-hour fasting without slowly building up, and they did just fine. So you may not necessarily need to do that, but it might be a good idea to, to slowly dip into it. Number three, timing it just right. The Sunday dinner to Monday dinner seems to work out pretty well for most folks. It's nice to be able to eat dinner with your family on Sunday night as your last meal of the weekend, and then you just need to make it until Monday night dinner time to hit your 24 hours. 
I think it's really helpful to eat dinner at around 6.30 or 7 on Sunday night and then go to bed fairly early, like sometime before 9 p.m. And so when you wake up the next morning, you've already got quite a few hours under your belt. Um, So I'm actually going to share with you my schedule of my 24-hour fast and the activities that I do just to give you a reference of what works for me in case you want to try something similar. So as I said, Sunday, 6.30 to 7, having dinner with the family, then in bed actually by 8.30. Wake up at Monday at 5 a.m. and prep for the day. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Monday, I teach my fitness class. From 7 to 8, I actually work on an output task, like a major project. Then uh, from 8 to 8.30, I'm taking my kids to school. And then from 8.30 to 9 a.m., I am doing gratitude and productivity journaling. I've talked about that a lot on my morning routine episode. Uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm usually doing my personal training clients at that time. And this is where the hunger starts to kick in for me uh, at about 10 a.m. Um, but I find that the hunger pains, at least for me, go away um, after about 15 minutes. So it doesn't really last that long. Then I get another second wave of hunger at about 1 p.m. But again, it goes away in about 15 minutes. And whenever the hunger pains kick in, I drink extra water and that seems to help as well. And then from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., I go back to uh, working on the computer and I do 90 minutes of an output task. So uh, maybe it's a major project or editing the podcast or something. After 90 minutes, I go for a 10-minute walk. Now, this is based on science of uh, the human brain being able to push for about 90 minutes and then it needs a little break. So a little 10-minute walk and then 20 minutes of an input task. So something like email or scheduling or doing a call. Uh, etc. And then from three to five, I start that cycle over again. So I'm doing that 90 minute output task again, working on a major project, project, something complex, editing a show, then go for a 10 minute walk after 90 minutes, then put in 20 minutes of work on an input task. So again, if there's email or scheduling or calls or something like that. And then I usually notice this crazy sort of surge of energy. It happens you know, in the last four or five hours of the day. Uh, it's almost like a euphoric feeling um, that has happened consistently each time I've, I've done this 24-hour fast, which is pretty cool. This is just my theory, uh, but I'm wondering if it's the body, uh, the body's way of saying, hey, you know, this is, this is really good. I'm, I'm getting rid of bad cells. I'm creating new cells. You should do this again sometime. And it's encouraging you by giving you sort of that euphoric feeling. Again, just a theory, but that's what I've noticed. Uh, and then from five to six on Monday, I do my workout. So it's a dynamic warm up, uh, strength training, post workout mobility, and then I usually do 10 to 15 minutes of sauna. From six to seven, I'm spending time with my family. And then at seven o'clock, I can break the fast. So since I ate at 7 p.m. the night before, I will be able to eat at 7 p.m., 7 to 7.30 on uh, this Monday night. And then from 7.30 to 8.30, again, spending time with the family. And at 8.30, it's bed. Okay, so that's my schedule of my 24-hour fast day. Number four, have a nutrient-dense last meal. I jokingly call the final meal on Sunday night before the fast begins the last meal, like one would receive before their execution. As you would want with your last meal before your execution, you would want the same for this final meal before fasting, which is a healthy serving of nutrient-dense food. This should include lots of veggies, fruits, healthy fat, high fiber, and protein. 
as much as possible should be whole foods. If you eat heavily processed, high sugar, nutrient poor, low fiber foods, then you'll probably have a more challenging time as you'll be sort of riding the blood sugar roller coaster. Number five, hunger pangs are normal. I know this is a shocker, but you're going to go through periods of hunger. What may be surprising, however, though, is how quickly they subside. In my own experimentation, I've noticed my biggest hunger pains occur, as I mentioned earlier in my schedule, when I would normally eat during the first time of the day, which is usually about 10 a.m. Then I get a couple more waves of hunger, like I said, at 1 p.m. or so, and then a few hours later. And then for the last few hours of the fast, they seem to pretty much just go away and you have that sort of, again, energetic euphoric feeling. A few of my clients have been experimenting with the 24-hour fast lately, and they agree with this finding of a few hunger pains during the normal eating periods, but then they seem to subside fairly quickly for everybody. Number six, remember the benefits. Nothing makes it easier for me to make it through a whole day without eating than thinking about all of the cellular trash that's getting thrown out of the body and all of the wonderful new cells that are being created. I think about my body having a rest from the incredibly taxing job of digestion and having time to do the work that it was made to do. I think about all these cancer cells being recognized by my body and being thrown out before they have an opportunity to create issues. Most importantly, I think about how this could be adding years to my life to spend time with my family and friends. Number seven, huge boost of euphoria and energy. Like I mentioned when I was talking about my schedule, I get this big boost of energy and almost this euphoric feeling in the last few hours of the fast. This happens by about hour 19 or so. I choose this as a time to get my workout in, as, as I mentioned with my schedule. It doesn't sound like this happens to everyone necessarily, but I've heard similar findings for other folks experimenting with a similar schedule. Number eight, lots of water. I'm a pretty good water drinker on a normal day, and I always have my refillable bottle close by. But I've noticed on fasting days, I probably drink at least three more of these bottles per day. Now my refillable bottle is about 24 ounces, so that's probably about 70 extra ounces of water per day on my fasting day. Uh, sometimes hunger is really just dehydration in disguise. So. Think about how hard your body's working during this autophagy process. It makes sense that you really wanna work hard to make sure you're hydrated. So basically, drink water when you're thirsty, drink water when you're hungry, drink water when you're tired, you get the idea. Number nine, are black coffee and plain tea allowed in fasting? Well, this depends on who you ask. It's actually quite a heavily debated topic. I had no idea the can of worms I was opening up when I began researching this. So Dr. Stephen Cabral on the Mind Pump podcast, we'll link to it in the show notes, said that caffeine in coffee will spike cortisol and raise blood sugar, which you actually want to avoid. He actually recommends hot ginger tea instead of black coffee. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, PhD in biomedical science and expert on nutritional health says, that drinking black coffee actually breaks your fast because it has caffeine in it. And this affects our brain, our gut, our liver, etc. Anything that does this is going to reset your biorhythm clock. So you don't want to have it, she says. However, other experts like Ben Greenfield say that black coffee can actually enhance your fast by increasing fatty acid mobilization and by improving your met metabolism. 
There's also evidence of improved autophagy with coffee. A 2014 study in Cell Cycle shows an increase in autophagy in mice with consumption of coffee, both caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee. The researchers believe it is the polyphenols in the coffee that cause the increase in autophagy. So what do I suggest after all that? Uh, I've actually had some brain fog during my 24-hour fast when I drink my usual two cups of coffee. Now, since brain fog can be a symptom of over-caffeination, I'm going to actually experiment with water only, ginger tea and water, and water with limited coffee. Now, based on how I feel with these different methods, I'll make a call on whether or not I'm going to avoid coffee and or tea on my 24-hour fast days. For your first day, I would suggest less coffee than you would normally drink or no coffee at all as the body seems to be more sensitive to caffeine in a fasted state. Number 10, stay busy. The worst thing you can do during a 24-hour fast is start thinking about how hungry you are and how much time you have left. Keep the body and the mind busy to avoid giving in early. Work on a complicated task for your job. Go for a walk, watch a movie, drink water, go outside and play with the kids, run errands, do some mobility work or stretches. If you have things on your to-do list and you want to knock them out, this is a great day to get them done. But basically, just stay busy. Number 11. Remember, you are made for this. Don't be scared like I was. Fasting is appropriate and safe for most adults. We were designed to go without food and thrive when we occasionally take a break from digestion, as discussed with the aforementioned autophagy. But in 2019, in many parts of the world, we don't have to work very hard or wait very long to get our food. We don't have to forge or hunt for food for hours or even days like our ancestors did. But we have evolved to survive through long periods without food. Think about the survival of the fittest scenario where we have adapted as a species to operate optimally in these times of famine and then consider how often we are actually activating this part of our genetic makeup. Probably almost not at all. I think in the case of many modern humans, these genes are sitting dormant. Dr. Randa Patrick calls this idea of waking up or turning on our genes genetic switches. She says that these genes get turned on during a period of good stress, or hormesis. A 2018 study in Nature Review's Neuroscience discusses how humans evolved to function well in a fasted state for both our brains and bodies by changing fuel sources through a metabolic switch where fat is used for energy after it runs out of glycogen. Some endurance athletes call this fat adaptation. Each time we eat, we replenish glycogen stores in our liver. And this actually can tide us up for up to 14 hours if we're not exercising. It also mentioned how being fasted also causes cellular adaptations that improve overall brain function and resistance to stressors. Makes me kind of think this is something we should be doing. Number 12, double down. Fasting isn't the only way to activate autophagy. Exercise does a fine job of it too. According to a 2012 study in Nature, researchers found that exercise can induce autophagy in skeletal and cardiac muscle, the liver, the pancreas, and adipose tissue in mice. We know that there is evidence for exercise improving long-term health, protecting against cardiovascular disorder, inflammatory disease, and cancer. 
The researchers in this study speculate that the exercise-induced autophagy may represent the cellular mechanism by which exercise can have these benefits. I would not necessarily recommend you do exercise the first day you do a 24-hour fast, at least not very intense. But after you get a few of these 24-hour fasts under your belt, you might consider easing into some exercise during the fast. I've personally tried working out in about hour 15 of the 24-hour fast and also in about hour 20. I like the later workout better. It sort of lines up well with that energy and euphoric feeling that I start to get into the last few hours of the fast. The early workout seemed to make me quite a bit hungrier too, and I had to hold out longer to make it to hour 24. Number 13, the first meal. I've heard some folks suggesting that you need to be really careful with your first meal after your 24-hour fast and maybe even just start with a light snack. I don't really agree with that. I suggest just eating a normal healthy meal. It should look like your last meal, really, in that it should be nutrient-dense, lots of whole foods, fruits and vegetables, fiber-rich, etc. If I was to suggest avoiding something or being careful, I would recommend going crazy, uh, like with a crazy cheat meal with lots of saturated fat and oil and refined sugar, as this could actually blow up like a bomb in your gut. Besides, you just did all this hard work creating healthy new cells, so let's feed them healthy nutrients to thrive on, at least right away. All right, I hope these tips, benefits, expectations, and the sample schedule will help you be successful in your 24-hour fasting efforts. And I hope you can add it to your regular weekly routine as appropriate. Thank you all very much for checking out the show today. A few things you can do to help out Boost Health if you would be so kind. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Leave a review on the Boost Health Facebook page. Subscribe to the Boost Health TV YouTube channel. And follow My Boost Health on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. Until next time, this is Paul Sandberg saying goodbye and find your balance.